Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. Okay, today we're covering a topic that I know you will definitely want to save in your app. We're talking about how our phones are affecting our prayer life and what we can do about it. Arlene, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited for this conversation. It's great to be with you, Val. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So you're definitely an expert on this topic. And I know people don't like being called experts on things, but I feel like you have, I've learned so much from you on this topic. So I would love for you to just share with everybody who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Arlene Pelican, and I write books on marriage and parenting. And several years back, Moody Publishers came to me and said, would you like to write a book with Dr. Gary Chapman of the Five Love Languages? And I was like, excuse me? And it was a book about screens and kids. And what they found was Dr. Chapman was seeing a lot of kids and families who were struggling with screen time. And that was back in 2014. And there weren't that many books about it. So we started writing on it because I had kids at home and we could use our experiences. And so we have written three books together. Our most updated books are Screen Kids and Grandparenting Screen Kids. Mm -hmm. Really what we're trying to show is that we need to be prepared. Like if you don't have a plan for technology, for your parenting, for your marriage, for your spiritual life, all those things, tech will take over. Not because we're sinful. It's not because we're dumb. We we just have to realize, like, it has literally been designed by a thousand people on the other side of the screen to see what does Val like, what does Arlene like, how can we really, you know, get their attention? And they're really truly working on on getting your self control down to a minimum. And so, all that to say that it's it's something that is reshaping the way we communicate with each other within families, with God. And that's really important. And and the message that we try to tell is, you know what? You you know when people talk about abstinence and they'll say, oh, that's impossible. Kids will do what kids do. It's impossible. And we just like to talk about, you know, it is a possibility to not give your child a cell phone, to not allow video games in the home. Like, I'm not saying you have to do that, but you need to know it is possible. So we had all of our kids. I've got a junior in high school and an eighth grader, and they don't have phones. They know they won't have phones until at least their senior year in high school. And then my son, who's in college, he didn't get one until the summer before going to college, which was, you know, this past summer. So we really have, we're not just saying this. We live in San Diego. The kids go to public school. They have friends. They're in sports. They're in activities. So people will say all those arguments. How can they have friends? Mm-hmm can they communicate with people? But it can be done and with a lot of benefits. So that's what we're just trying to give that message that if you see something unhealthy in your child's life, in your life, and a lot of times now it's tech driven, that there's something you can do something about that. And you're not alone. You know, James tells us we can ask God for wisdom and he'll give it if we, you know, trust in him, if we're not like a double minded man, but we are single minded. Lord, we want to follow you. Give us wisdom. He will give it. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that was a great introduction. I feel like I already have so many thoughts of just, um, I just love that you pointed out that this is possible because so often it really does feel like things come up in the world that you're just like, ah, I can't avoid this. Like this is just an inevitable thing. And it feels so 
oppressive to us, you mm-hmm. know, but we, but we feel like it's the only option. So I love that you said that. And I have seen the video of, um, I, I guess you'd call it a documentary, yes. um, with about the, I think it's called Screen Kids. It right? is. So okay. I interviewed my kids. It's just called Screen Kids yeah. in your own words and just interviewing them and asking them, what was it really like, you know, going through yes. school without video games? Did you do hate your parents? You know, yeah, no, I loved their answers. I loved getting, like, just getting to hear that from them because I do think it's just really encouraging. So we'll plug that in the uh, show notes because I think that will be encouraging the parents who are, who are either struggling with that decision yeah. already or thinking about it in the future. But man, and I think also... The idea, like, we're going to talk about how that relates to prayer today, but also the idea that, you know, our kids are going to model or they're going to see how we model the use of our phones. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, likely do something very similar of, to what they see. Um, so we want to we want to model that for them very well. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm excited to, to get started. Um, any other thoughts before we dive in? You know, it's just that that idea of, you know, do they catch, what do they catch you doing over and over and over again? I think if they, you know, for us, we don't have to feel guilt laden, like, oh my goodness, I answered that text now, you know, or, oh, I answered the phone, what, you know. So if you do something and it's just occasional, that's, that's okay. But if it's a pattern, right? Mm -hmm. Every time your child looks at you, every time your child asks you a question, you are on your phone or you're on some kind of device and it doesn't matter what time of day it is. You know, that's when we start thinking that those are the messages they're getting over and over again. Like, oh, I am not as important as that device. And then, you know, we always complain about the teenager, like, look at me, you know, and and we also need to see that from the kid's point of view, whether you have a two-year-old or a teenager, they're also saying, look at me. Uh, And they won't maybe admit it when they're a teenager, but they want you to look at them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's, it's so convicting (laughs) when you picture yourself, you're like, well, well, to imagine your kids seeing you with your phone, like that, that's their image of you as they grow up is, um, you know, just yeah. not, not what we want for our You life. know, and, and I will say, because you'll feel it. I feel since I'm writing about this subject and let's say I'm, I'm posting something about a podcast on Instagram and my child is watching, like I can feel that. And I feel like, oh no, they're looking at me doing this. So a lot of times I will say like, oh, I'm posting about Colton Dixon on my podcast and I'll, and I'll tell them and I'll do it. And then I'll make sure they see that I put it down. And so it's this idea of, of being more purposeful uh, and actually it helps us to be more accountable to like, okay, I really am just going to do this because a lot of us do use the device for work and that is an okay thing. But to realize, wait a minute, I should feel very accountable. Like I'm going to do this thing and then I'm going to put this down like a hot potato because my child is watching to see, oh, now what's she going to do after, Mm -hmm. you know, she gets done with the thing. And I think that's where the discipline comes in. And that's where asking God, how, you know, show me, show me what my kids are seeing, like reveal that to me. Yeah. Nope. That's, that's definitely convicting. I think we're going to step on some toes today, including yeah. mine. Um, but in, in, in the best way, possible. we want to step on your toes and we want to give you a big hug. So yes, yes exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're all doing this together. Totally. Um, okay. Well let's dive in and just, I want to, I would love to hear just what your prayer routine looks like right now. And we know it, it changes in all kinds yeah. of different seasons. So what does that look like for you now? Yeah. And then this is great because then it's like, turn the tables. This is convicting, you know? So I was thinking about this question <laughs> for the podcast, like a prayer routine and what I have found, and, and this is truly my weakness. So I will step forward with this is that mm-hmm. time and place of prayer that's consistent, you know, like an appointment, like this is the time I pray with God. 
And that is something I really struggle with. And what I, my typical thing is when I'm laying in bed in the morning and about to get up, then I will, in my mind, I will be like, you know, Lord, I give you this day, show me what to do today. Let your will be done today. Give me your joy. Amen. And I get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And then I listen to worship music as we're getting breakfast together and I open the Bible and I read the Bible. So that's kind of my time. And the kid, usually one or two children are awake at that time. And my daughter started reading her Bible too, which is cool. So that's that whole idea of like, they watch what you're doing. And then, Mm -hmm. because I've told them that if you don't get it done, like it's hard to fit it in later, but it's really nice if you can read during breakfast. So that's, that's been a nice uh, just a nice habit. It's not long. It's probably, you know, five, 10 minutes. So I'll read the Bible then. And then as we're going to school, the kids will either get driven in or sometimes they bike in. But either way, like if they bike in, it's a shorter prayer. If they get driven in, it's a longer prayer, but it's not hugely long. It's mm-hmm. just like, Lord, bless Noelle as she goes to school, help her tennis practice to go really well. We just ask that you give her wisdom to be able to discern between right and wrong. Give her favor with her teachers in Jesus name. Amen. But it's a, it's a habit. It's something like that I don't feel it's complete until we've prayed. And and it's good for me too, because it keeps me accountable to praying. So I find that it's kind of these pockets of times and moments where you're always praying. Like when the kids go, if that's you pray then. And obviously for meals, we pray then. And then nighttime, we pray then. So those, and then throughout the day, and that's the thing with the phone. See, so throughout the day, like if I'm doing errands or I'm in the car, I'm in the car unless I'm listening to the radio, but then a bunch of ads come on or a song I don't like comes on, then I'll turn it off and then use those few moments to pray. Like, okay, Lord, I let me think about who needs prayer today and to pray for them. And I think when we have our phones, all those like little gap moments in the day, we use them to scroll, to check, to check news, to get stuff done instead of like, oh, you know, I have 30 seconds right now. Lord, I love you. I just thank you. I need you. I need your help. Lord, help my friend who just had surgery. Just touch her body. You know, you have those little moments where you can do that as much as possible. I do like to pray out loud when I can, because I find that my mind drifts when I don't, I Mm -hmm. do pray silently too. But if I pray out loud, I find that I get a little bit not as distracted. And then I like praying through the Lord's prayer. And, you know, Jesus says, don't pray these exact words, but, you know, pray like this, pray like Mm -hmm. this. So I like to pray our father who art in heaven, and then just kind of riff on that. Like, Lord, you're such a big God. Thank you for being, but I use that as a guide, you know, and then let your will be done and your kingdom come. Lord, your will in the kids life. I don't know, you know, what they're supposed to do, but you know what they're supposed to do. Show them your will. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you know what we, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So going through that Lord's prayer and then um, making it personal to you, I have found that's something like a daily routine. It doesn't, I don't do it for a long period of time, but uh, it keeps a, a daily rhythm of going through those things. And, you know, I read something, Dr. David Jeremiah was talking about, you know, we pray this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it was the way he said, it was like you're making a pre-decision like I'm going to forgive other people like I've been forgiven. So if I pray this in the morning, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, then if someone offends me or someone hurts me or someone, whether it's on purpose or not, I can already say I've already prayed to forgive this person. You know, I've kind of pre-decided mm-hmm. I'm going to forgive because as I forgive, God forgives me and God's going to show mercy to those who are merciful, all these kinds of things. And obviously that's a bigger topic if that's a really, really, really big offense. You know, it's going to take maybe more than one day to get to that point. But the idea being how cool that I can pre-decide before I step out the door, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, I want your forgiveness 
So help me to forgive those who might offend me today. And it's kind of like you're already ready. Like if someone cuts you off on the freeway or someone takes away your account or someone, you know, does this thing to you or your kid like yells at you, you're like, I've already forgiven you. I've already made a decision that I'm going to be a forgiving person. I think that's a beautiful thing about the Lord's Prayer. And the last thing I do is try to schedule things. So I do go to a moms in prayer group. And I've done that ever since my children, Ethan, the college student, when he was in first grade, I started. So I have it at my house and it's changed throughout the years. It's always been pretty much Monday morning from nine to 10. And then the person, you know, who comes has really changed over the years. But the Lord consistently, you know, usually it's like two of us or possibly four of us. So it's always been a small group, but that's a super blessing. Like whenever school's in session, then we are for sure praying one hour together for each other's kids. So I found like Mm. scheduling it. So if you go to a prayer meeting, you go to a prayer group and really like, it has to be like a prayer group. So that's what I really like about moms in prayer is you just go, Hey, how's everybody going? Okay, great. Let's start praying. And there's like an outline of, of what you do. And you really are truly praying for the majority of that time, which I really like. Oh yeah. No, that, and that is true. (laughs) Just the idea that like we could spend time doing so many other things, even good things, but not actually praying. So, um, and I will confess to you, Val, that that sounds really nice, but then you'd be like, but she didn't stay for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes and prank is it. So that is like, I am in process. So please just know (laughs) that I am. Like someone might think like, no, if someone were to observe my life, let's say, because it sounds like, oh, Arlene is such a prayer expert and she has it all together and she goes to her prayer group and she prays with her kids. You know what I mean? But I really still sense this is a weakness in my life that if you yeah. watched me during the day, you'd be like, wait a minute, she did not stop for, let's say, 20 minutes. Uh, not to say that there's a certain time, but you know what I'm saying? She didn't dedicate a chunk of time to listen mm-hmm to, you know, journal, to meditate. So these are all things I need. I am fully aware that there is a lot of room for growth here. Well, and, and that honestly is something that over the last nine years of talking to people about prayer, I've talked to, you know, a lot of authors, influence, like people that we, we know in this space uh, and see as like, um, just like leaders. Yeah. Leaders in the faith. And they all struggle with it. Like they, they will all say, I can read my Bible. I can do this, but prayer is hard. And and I think it's just, it's so elusive. It is, we are talking to somebody who is not sitting across from us and that's going to be, it's going to be difficult, but yeah, so you are in good company. And, um, I mean, I feel like every interview, whenever I say the word routine, it really is. They're like, wait a second. Like, okay, so this is what I aim for. So no, you're the audience. Everybody is going to be like, oh, Arlene, we, we get this. We get it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know it's like, you do feel like you, you want to have that disclaimer of like, um, I, I just want everybody to know. I know I feel like that with certain things in my life, like with our girls or like I still yell and, you know, like just different things where they've heard yeah. me talk about. And I just want to make sure that we're clear that. Uh, so, yeah, yes. I get that. Yeah. Um, OK, well, I, I feel like everybody listening can pretty much admit that our phones are affecting our lives in ways that we never could have imagined. Um, my husband always says he thinks that cell phones will become like cigarettes and, um, that they'll, 
like in a, in 10 years will be like, yeah. wait a second, you slept with that next to your bed, you know, like right. just crazy things like that. Yeah. Um, but what are some ways our phones are affecting our prayer life? Yeah. I see a really big way is the way we like interact and expect an answer. Like, Ooh, you yeah. know, if you text someone, like I'm amazed. So my girls, like I'm telling you, they don't have phones, but they use my phone when they want to text a friend about homework or whatever. And so she, my daughter was texting a friend. I mean, just literally like I'm watching her text and then exactly the person's answering back. And I'm just like, how is that person on their phone at this exact moment and able to answer you in real time. You know, it's just like, this is crazy. And, and you, we all know this, like if we send a text with a question to our friend and we're like, hello, it's been 10 minutes and you haven't answered me. So we're so used to getting the answers fast. And I think that is going to be a huge deterrent for young people who've grown up with phones that when they pray to God and they're like, oh yeah, God answered me in 20 years. You know, I feel like they will, that will, That'll be a source of stress. That'll be a source of like, does God hear me? Does God love me? Because he didn't answer me within 24 hours. Like that is huge. And so learning patience, learning waiting, learning that things are not instant. I think the phone has really taught us that the answers are instant. If you can't find an answer, but someone else can give you an answer, then let's go with that. Like, let's go with what's convenient. Let's go with what's easy. Uh, you know, so that I think is is a big problem because that's not how faith works. It's not how God is often silent, but working huge things in the background. And I'm afraid that in this instant cell phone kind of culture, we've kind of lost that. I think also as as we seek God, there's a lot of other voices out there. So let's say you take your phone and you really can use a Bible app. That's awesome. You really can find trustworthy sources. That's awesome. But there are so many voices that are, whether it's progressive Christianity, whether it's someone who's just seeking spiritual things and they're finding, you know, all sorts of different religious things. You know, I think I was interviewing Sean McDowell on on my podcast and he was talking about how never before have there been so many voices. So if someone's spiritually seeking, it's like, oh, okay, you could be a Buddhist, you could do new age, you could be, you know, Islam, you could do, you know, your own thing, you could, anything like there's so many voices and then, you know, so many Many that are uh, maybe somewhat Christian, but not completely Christian. You know, so so there's that there's that drift and that deception that can happen so much with the phones. Uh, I think also the phone and and just technology can give you that false sense of community so that you think like, oh, I went to online church. You know, we, a lot mm-hmm. of us did that during COVID. That's good enough. So I'll just I'll keep getting my message. I can sing in my house. That's good enough. I can pray in my house. That's good enough. It's not good enough. So, the, you know, Hebrews tells us not forsake gathering together. There's a reason when you gather with other people, physically and sing with them and pray with them and listen to them. That is a whole different ball game than watching them on a screen, right? So Mm -hmm. I think realizing that, wait a minute, our phones, we can't just pray by texting this prayer and just sending it. And that's great. That's fine. It's Mm -hmm. good. But it's not the same as you either going to someone's house or having coffee with them or being at church and going forward to the altar and asking Will you please pray for me? I'm unemployed. Will you please pray for me? I've had this back pain and I can't function normally. You know, that's so different 
than like texting these prayers. So I think it's given us this substitute that's very poor. And that's why people are, are so sick. And then another thing, um, I think is the, uh, there was this research done by um, Matthew Killingsworth at Harvard and called the wandering mind. And he basically studied 15,000 people from more than 80 countries. And he learned that our mental lives, that we think about other things that beside the present. So 47% of the time, we're not, you and oh, I aren't wow, thinking yeah. exactly of this interview. We're thinking of like, oh, yesterday, remember this? Or tomorrow, I want to do this. Or I wish I was on vacation like this woman on Instagram. You know, like we're thinking about something else. And I think the phones have become like this, you know, uh, escapism kind of thing and uh, like a compare, you know, all those kind of things where we're just not present. And then even just obviously when we're in a room together in church, praying with our kids, wanting to pray with our family, wanting to do a Bible study, whatever, when our phone is there, we're like, oh, that new show came out or, oh, I haven't checked the news. I wonder what's happening. You know, oh, those shoes were on set. Like there's always this competition. So you've got this big distraction that's like, oh, gee, would I like to just kneel down and pray right now? Or would I like to grab Netflix and like get caught up on my favorite series? You know, it's a very, that's a, that's a hard stack for human temptable yeah. people, you know? So, yeah. so I do think it, it plays out in so many ways. Man, that's so good. You just mentioned a lot of good things and I like things that I, I wasn't expecting. So I feel like I hope, um, I, I just know that that's going to be yeah. good and challenging for us to yeah. just see our phones for what they are. Cause I, th- I think so often it obviously just gets lost on us. And then whenever we put it into those words of like, you know what, I do feel really impatient with God whenever it feels yeah. like it takes a longer time to pray. And this is contributing to that. And, and it doesn't mean, you know, we can never text people quickly or yeah. get, get an answer quickly if on Google, but it does mean that we can acknowledge that we, we, we stop expecting God to be like our cell phones. Yeah. Um, so, I, I you know, I think of a couple other things when you, when you said that it's the idea, like if your child is sick, what do you do? You Google like, okay, what, symptoms do they have and you have it. And that's mm-hmm. fine, but it should be God first, Google second. That's what I love to say. It's like, go yeah. to God first and then go to Google second. And then you think about it. It's it's like when with your phone, your phone is there to make you happy. It's there mm-hmm. to bring you happiness. Like, so you find things on the phone that make you happy and it's there to serve you. Like if you have a question, you know, you know, Siri is going to take care of it for you. If you don't know where a country is, it's going to show you where it is. It just exists to make you happy. And I think this transfers to our relationship with God that we think like, oh God, you exist to make me happy. Mm-hmm. Like I ask you for something and you give it to me. I'm sad and you make me joyful. And obviously God does these things, but God does not exist to make us happy. That's not his, that's not his reason <laughs> yeah. for existence. So for us to realize, wait a minute, my happiness is not the great purpose of my life. You mean there's other things in life besides my happiness? So that's a big aha to realize that, wait a minute, I God, I want to worship you. It's not the other way around. And I think the cell phones really kind of have have made us think that maybe not, we couldn't articulate that, but that's how we feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even like thinking about the Google and God thing, like Google, uh, God first, yeah. Google second. Um, I've, I was actually put sharing this on Instagram yesterday about how the idea that like we need 
a desperation for the Lord. Yeah. If we're going to pray, we have to feel needy. Mm-hmm. If we feel like we could figure it out on our own, we won't go to him. Yeah. And I've said before, like if you, if it, if it's one phone call, a couple of bucks or like whatever, if that will solve our problem, we won't pray. So yeah, if we, if we see like, okay, I just need to figure out what my kid has. I'm like, we're going to go to our phones before we're going to pray. So I think that's, I want to think on that more. Cause I do think, yes. I'm sure I do that more than I think I do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to JP Moreland. He has this book about everyday miracles mm-hmm. and he was talking about how in the industrial, industrialized nations don't see as many miracles because we are, we do it ourselves. We don't oh, have the need yeah. for the miracles. We have the medicine, we have this, we have that. And we don't really seek the supernatural because we have all the answers. And I think what you're saying is so right. When we're strong, like, why do we need God? It's when we're weak that we need God. Mm-hmm. And so we in the natural, we can figure out everything. We can figure out what to eat. We can figure out how to get a job. We can figure out how to, you know, what restaurant is the best, what school is the best, you know, what you, you understand. We can like do it yourself. We can do it all. And realize, wait a minute. No, I need more supernatural in my life. I, this phone isn't going to solve all these things. So I think you're so right. To, it's got to come back to that need, that desperation f- uh, for God. And, and then that'll drive us more to pray. Yes. Okay. So we've, we, I feel like we've talked about a lot of like the issues with it. So what, what do we do about it? And I know that's a loaded big question, but yeah. What, what would you share with people? I will give you an answer from something I observed from a college student. So I was visiting my alma mater, Biola university, and I saw this young man. He's, you know, he seemed confident, seemed, you know, very friendly and he had a phone and he had like a little leather, like a, like something like kind of the size of a business card, but it's like a little leather pouch next mm-hmm. with his phone and they're rubber banded together. So I asked him, like, why do you carry your phone like that? What is that? And he says, oh, that's my little journal. And what I do is I don't want to be addicted to my phone. I just want to use it when I need it. So when I need to use my phone, I take that little journal and I write down exactly what I'm going to do. And then I do it on my phone and then I rubber band it all together again. Wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and he was like a business guy. I want to be a CEO. I'm like, you're going to be so successful <laughs> because yeah. he's like so disciplined, right? Yeah. Because none of us have that discipline of thinking like, I don't want to write down text so-and-so, buy shoes, order groceries. I want, you know, but what it did was it, it made him accountable to do what he wanted to do on his phone. So in my book, Calm, Cool, and Connected, one of the keys is when you look at a device, you ask yourself, what am I here to do? And you don't engage with that device until you have an answer. So what am I here to do? I'm here to check my emails and answer them. Great. Check your emails, answer them, and then get out. You know, what am I here to do? Well, I want to see what if where chicken is on sale. Okay, great. You look at the little grocery thingies and then get out. So it's just this idea of being way more intentional with your devices and kind of treating them like a hot potato, almost being embarrassed to be seen with one. Like, mm-hmm. let me do this thing that I need to do and then let me get off it because I don't want to be seen with this thing. You know, so I think having that in your mind, see, it used to be that it was a typewriter. So all you could do was type. You know, it's like, I'm going to write a paper now. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing you can do. And, you know, and the typewriter becomes this desktop, huge computer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But as this little tiny thing has become so advanced that it can do everything, that's kind of a problem for us because all of a sudden when you hold it, you can do a million things where it used to be that you could only do one. So it's almost like go back and just strip it all back down to like exactly what do I need to use it for? Mm-hmm. Use it. And then get out 
and keep it as simple as possible. And just like that young man did, you know, you might not physically have a little notebook of here's what I'm going to do on my device, but that maybe you say it out loud. Maybe you say like, I'm going to spend one hour working and then I'm going to take a 15 minute break and then I'm going to come back. And it kind of keeps you more accountable to not, cause you know what we do. We like cyber loaf. We like start mm-hmm. here. I do it all the time. I have to write a chapter, you know, and it's like 15 minutes in, I'm like, Oh, look at that. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm mess. looking at Amazon books <laughs> yeah, and gonna, exactly. yeah. it's a mess. So, so be more intentional and get that time back. I love that. And I feel like, um, cause I'm literally, literally sitting here thinking, okay, well, how can I remember to do this? And I'm thinking, I want to make a lock screen of this. And, um, just with your quote of what yeah. am I here to do? Yeah. Because what am I here to do? This is, you know, I know, I, I don't know. I just would want that reminder. So we might yeah. have to make one of those. That's um, fun. I, that's very fun. Yours is going to look prettier than mine because you do things <laughs> so beautifully. But you've just given me an idea like, oh, I should put, I should make one of those. I yeah. will make one of those. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Um, and so cool to just, you know, like, obviously, like we have like lots of tips. We're like, this wise old woman told me this, but like to have like a college kid, you know, yeah. like share that. I love totally. that. Um, okay. So what is, is there anything else we're going to talk more about like answered prayers and, um, like your prayer life a little bit more, but is there anything else prayer like related to the phone? Like a good first step. I feel like that's a good first step. So that might be it. But if there's anything else that you'd want to encourage people with, with the phones, um, Kind of think location, 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 you know, just like in real estate, it's all location, location, location. My husband's a realtor, but with a phone, it's like, let there be times where, you know, you're, you'd be like intentional, like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're at dinner. So the phone is far away or we're going to pray together or we're going to read the Bible together. So the phone doesn't need to be in my lap. It doesn't need to be even within reaching distance, you know, like it can be across the the room. It can be in another room. If, if you have it, like if you're afraid, oh, I'm going to miss something, just turn the volume on really high yeah. and put it on in another room, but then have that time with your family, have that time with yourself. So, because if it's right next to you, it's kind of like having a third person there. Like you're with your person and then you're with the phone <laughs> and yeah. it's like the phone can have just as much attention as you give to the person. So think location and whenever you can really put it far away from you, put it far away from you. Maybe that's a a walk around your, around the block for five, 10 minutes a day where you leave your phone at home. That would be great. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's definitely, I like the idea of just thinking like, I know for me, like I try to not bring my phone to church. Sometimes it happens if me and Tyler are driving separate or something, but like having times where I know, you know, in the morning, um, I put my phone in our laundry room to charge at night yeah. and I go to the living room, do my quiet time. And then I don't get my phone until after it's all done. That's Normally, very clever. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because if I'm like, oh, I forgot, you know, I had texted my sister about this. Let me go see what she said, or let me check the weather. If I grab my phone beforehand, yeah, it, it you know, sometimes yeah. it's a complete dis- derail and other times yeah. it's like, you know what? I checked it and I put it down, but it still took something away or like it still yeah. um, got me out of this zone of like the Lord is the first thing I'm going to today. It's yeah. like I'm still th- I'm I put my email away, but I'm actually still thinking about that email that I just looked at yeah. and didn't need to look at at seven o'clock in the morning. 
Um, so I, I'm I just really, like you. I, I'm just like you. I do stuff <laughs> like that too. Yeah. And I think like it, it, it's one of those things, again, we keep saying like it's designed to just draw us in and yeah. um, we're just up against a lot. But like you said in the beginning, it's possible and we can do this. And um, yeah, I think it's just really important. And I know you'll pray at the end, but like it's just important that we even pray about this. Like, Lord, yeah. I put in my journal this month. Give me a dis like help me to be so turned off by like the news or um, just whatever it was that I've just been distracted by lately because the Lord can help us with that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, okay, well, I let's hear what are some of the big answered prayers in your life, and it might um, be like an actual big answered prayer or just one that feels very. Uh, fresh in your mind right now. Yeah. Something that is fresh in my mind, and it is a big prayer, is I have a cousin. She's in her early 50s, and she has two kids, married, and she was diagnosed with a benign brain tumor, but yet you know, a brain tumor. And so it, and it was so large that they had to do two surgeries. So she had one surgery at the beginning of the summer. And then the poor thing, because it's so difficult, and then right when you start feeling better, you have to go get your second one, you oh, know, so yeah. she just went to get her second one. And we have just been praying for her, God, that you would heal her, God, that this would be the last, like after she gets these tumors out, that it would do the trick, that she wouldn't have to do this again. Lord, that you would bless her, that you would give her peace, that you would let her know that you love her, that you would keep her family, all those things. And to see she has done her two surgeries, she is so full of faith, like so full, like, God is with me and God has helped me. And I felt like God with me. It was an eight hour surgery, this last one. And just like, I felt God's presence. Like he was with oh, me. Like, wow. it's so awesome. And then she went to the doctor and the doctor said, you're, you know, we weren't sure after the first surgery, we weren't positive, but after the second surgery, we can see it's totally benign and we will not have to see you again. And it was just oh, like, that's yeah. so awesome. We will like, what a lovely thing to hear. We will not have to see you again. And they told her in six months, you're going to feel brand new. And, you know, in six weeks, you could kind of return to normal activities, you know? So it was just like, she all summer long has just been like, in her house, like laying there with a terrible headache and just awful. But her spirit is so good. And to see like, God, look what you did. Like, look how you answer. So that is so amazing to me. Like how, you know, sometimes God heals instantly. Sometimes God doesn't, you know, nothing happens at all. And maybe the person goes to heaven. Some, you just don't know. But to see her go through the surgery and have such a close relationship with God and to be so grounded and full of peace and giving that peace to other people. It's just like, wow, that's amazing. And then to hear those wonderful words, you know, you're done, you're done. Yeah. So it's like God is a God of new beginnings, of healing, of like this, okay, we're done. Let's, let's, let's start again. And so, so excited about that. Oh, well, I'm glad. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. I actually am working on an episode on healing, yeah. praying for healing. And one of the things that I talked about or that will be out eventually, yeah. but was just this idea that like sometimes the suffering that we go through is, mm -hmm. it, I mean, we know it's for a purpose, but yeah. man, like the fact that her faith through that build, built on your faith. Others up. Um, yes. Yeah. It's huge. And I think we... We yeah. can never discount that because if we're looking at a, a situation and we're looking for one particular miracle to happen, you know, yeah. if somebody gets saved um, from, you know, like j just something that is, 
you know, obviously not what we would choose. Like God is being glorified in that. And, um, but still cool that you got to see, not only did that happen, but now, but she was healed as well. Cause, um, that is a double blessing. And I just feel like, uh, it speaks so much to God's graciousness to us because we don't deserve it. And he's generous. So I love that. Yeah. What have been some of the bigger no's, like things that you've prayed for and mm-hmm. felt like God said no, and what has that taught you? Yeah, I will tell you, I'll tell you two short stories. Yeah. One would be when I was in my 20s, I kept praying like, Lord, I want to get married. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, Lord, I want to get married. I had a very serious boyfriend in college. It didn't work out. And I was just like, oh, Lord, all these no's. And it's like, where is he? So I felt like for a long time. That was a big no. What was funny now is, you know, I graduated early from college. I was young. So I graduated from college when I was 20 and all my friends were getting married. And so I got married at 27, which now sounds like, yay, like early, you know, like now it'd be like, oh, you got married so young, you're 27. But then I felt like I've been out of school for seven years. Like I just had been waiting, like, where is this person? So that no of waiting obviously turned into my husband now, James, we've been married 23 years now. So the, the no's that happened previous to James, and that's what we usually, you know, a lot of times we find the no's that come that there is a better yes coming. A more recent no was our son, Ethan, who just went to college. He's really smart, um, was the valedictorian at his public school class of 600. And he's very well-rounded, you know, he's very smart, but he's really, he's crazy. You know, he plays chess, he plays piano, he designs Nerf guns. He, he like does all these weird things like, so that he has a lot of different areas of interest. So he's a great all around kid that you would think uh, the college is going to take him. <laughs> You're like, he's really smart, captain of the debate team. He's got all these credentials, tons of volunteer hours. Certainly they're going to take him. And they didn't, oh, you know? Yeah. So it was like getting that no of what, like he is not accepted. It was really like that really doesn't make any human sense to us. Like what kind of the idea, and obviously we're biased parents, but the thought of like, what else is he supposed to do <laughs> to get yeah, into yeah. your college? And it wasn't an Ivy League school or anything like that. It was just a good college. It was like, wow, that was weird that that was a no. And he was so good, Val. That was crazy because he was disappointed. Like he'd say, you know, I'm disappointed, but you know what? And he said like almost pretty much the day he got that, you know, rejection, he was like, well, I guess God must have something else for me. And he was very like, okay with it. And that was an example to me, like, okay, I should take cues from you. Okay. Yeah, you're right. God. And so, you know, he did end up going to um, a school, Cal Poly Pomona, that's just two hours away from our house studying engineering. And he's having an amazing time. He met, so we always pray, right? And mom's in prayer and we pray for our kids, Lord, like help our kids meet friends that will be Mm -hmm. good friends because that's so important. That's who they're going to become like. That's who they're going to pick up habits from. It's like, Lord, send him good friends, make a way. And so he met these two kids during orientation, liked them. They're rooming together and they're having a great time. They get along really well and they're good kids. He found out that one of the kids is Christian. So that was like, he had a Bible with him. It was just like, wow. So there were like these really cool things that happened. So he's doing awesome there. He he loves it. He told, I asked him, I'm like, well, have you been homesick yet? And he's like, nope, mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, I'm having so much fun and it's doing great. And I'm not homesick yet, mom. We're like, okay, great. I'm happy. I'm crying, but I'm glad you're not crying. You know, <laughs> so it's all good. So just seeing in that God's, even again, that no, that felt like 
that was unfair or like, you know, why did that happen? Is, you know, we're just going to begin to see, well, what does God have planned for him in this other place? And so I think a lot of times in our nose that, oh, Lord, well, what do you have planned for the for the other thing that you have for me? And a lot of times you'll see like, wow, that was amazing. So God, we trust yeah. him. We trust him. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love Another cool college kid that we learned from today, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so was prayer something that was modeled for you when you were growing up? Or how did you like develop yeah. a desire for it? Mm-hmm. Or know that it was something you wanted to be a part of your life? Yeah, we started going to church probably around like fifth or sixth grade. And so I did see it modeled because, you know, my mom and dad would pray for me at night. And then it was the kind of church where they always had people standing up front. And so during the singing time that if you wanted to be prayed for, you could always go up front and people would pray for you. So yeah. I kind of grew up watching like people go forward, get prayed mm-hmm. for. And then, you know, it, this was the time where there were Sunday night services. So there was Sunday service and then Sunday night service, that was more like altar time. You open up the altar and people come and they'd be prayed for and they wait and they linger and wait for God. And so that is actually really cool because I grew up in that kind of atmosphere and remember going to Christian camp and you remember like being at the altar for, you know, you know, let's say the, the service started at seven, you hit the altar at nine, you're still crying and praying at 11 o'clock <laughs> at night, you know? So it's like, so I had that growing up and I think that really was so awesome because God spoke. And that's what we pray for our kids too, right? Like, Lord, when they're at Mm -hmm. camp or when they're out or whatever they're doing, like touch them in such a marked way that they know you're real, that you Mm -hmm. spoke to them. And so I had that. I was really blessed to have that growing up, knowing like, I've seen God. I know God. I know He's real. So I I had that very vivid in my mind. So that was awesome. And then, you know, growing up as an, an adult, there have been various churches I've gone to, but I still remember, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago, going forward to the altar I had just miscarried and going forward to the, and asking this woman to pray for me. And she's like this 80-year-old missionary, you know, such a godly woman. And when she prayed for me, it's just like, done. It's like, you know, it's like she asked God for it. You know what I mean? It's like, she was so full of faith, so knew God that you just felt like, okay, God's going to heal my body. God's going to give me another baby. Everything's going to be fine. So there is such power in that. And I did have that. I did have that growing up. I think of a woman named Claire Mora from our church. And when you sat with her, because she prayed with so many hours, right? So it's like, she always was like soaked in Jesus. She was known as like, oh, this is the lady that prays all the time. So when you talk to her, you just felt like God's love, God's presence instantly. And then when she spoke to you or prayed for you, you just felt like it's like direct line to heaven, you know? So yeah. there are there are people like that that have that that gift. And that was so beautiful. So I did grow up with people like that around me, which has been such a blessing. Yeah. And I, I like the way you articulated it, that it was you, you got to see people who believed that it was real. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you know, I know some people will say they grew up in a, in a home where maybe prayer people, people prayed, but it was very like, you know, just at the dinner table or just like in certain situations where it just felt like you were supposed to do it as opposed to we are, we are on our knees right now for hours in a church service because we believe that God is real. And so I think that's really cool to, to hear. And I feel like I'm always thinking about the, um, the people listening right now who are like, I didn't grow up with any of that. And they, I think for, 
we have an opportunity as moms to, to sh- moms, dads, whoever's listening, yeah. you, have, you know, you have nieces and nephews. We have a chance right now to impart that to our kids. And I think that's just so powerful because every time I ask somebody this question, it's just amazing to, to hear that, like, we have seen it from somewhere else. So we get yeah. to be that person for somebody else. And man, I hope I would love just hearing about the, um, the older lady who prayed for you. I just think I want, I want to be like that when yes, I get older, totally. um, just so people know, Oh, she, she is the one who will pray for you. She will yeah. di- direct line. Cause you know, it, it's always special when somebody prays for you and yeah. their words are so connected to what you're feeling, but you totally. never said. Yes. Um, and, and it just, it doesn't give them the glory. It gives God the glory, you yeah. know, because you're just thinking the only way she could be saying that is if God, Told. God loved me enough yeah. to share that with her. And yes, that's good. I love that's that. so awesome. Yeah. That's really, really good. Well, okay. So last question is, are, is what right now do you feel like you're, uh, like longing to grow your prayer life in, in, in what ways? I think to listen, like yeah. to be able to hear God for, to be able to say, Lord, you know, I don't know what project I should take next. Will you tell me, will you show me what project should I take next? And, and really, I think that, that, um, anticipation, like he's going to answer, like, that's exciting. Like, God, I want to do what you want me to do. So just that kind of renewed sense of Lord, what do you want me to do and help me to do it? There was just the sermon this last Sunday was talking about the life of Abraham. And when he was given like, go, you know, leave your country. You don't even know where you're going. (laughs) You know, this kind of thing. Can you imagine telling your wife, we're going to move. Where are we going? I have no idea. Like, you know, and when will we know we got there? I have no idea. I mean, can you imagine? But he just kind of highlighted that he was supposed to go Mm -hmm. and that he was supposed to bless, that he's supposed to be blessing to the other nations. And so just kind of looking at your life through the grid of go, like when God tells you to do something, just go like do it. So go. And then when I go, like, just make sure when you are there, you're a blessing. And I don't know, it just simplifies things. And I really like that. So I just want to hear God, Lord, where do you want me to go? Yeah. And who do you want me to bless? Yeah. And, and it becomes this, this idea of like, just living a prayer filled or like, like, living out of an outflow of prayer, meaning that like wherever you move, like you're having to listen because you don't have the full plan and you're just being, you're in tune to whatever God's calling you to. So I love that. Um, well, Arlene, thank you so much for this chat. I know it's, it's been super encouraging to me, so I know it'll be encouraging to, to our listeners too. Um, before we close in prayer, would you tell our listeners where they can find out uh, more about you? Yeah, I think the book Screen Kids would be great if you're just wondering like, oh man, for the kids, Mm -hmm. if they're growing up so wired, how are they going to pray when they're my age, you know? (laughs) Like, how is that going to affect them? So Screen Kids, just get that under control when when your kids are young. And then that documentary we talked about, Screen Kids in Your Own Words, and you can find that at happyhomeuniversity.com. And uh, my podcast is called The Happy Home Podcast. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I'll let you close us in prayer now. Sounds great. Lord, we're just so thankful for the time we've been able to spend together. We are thankful that you are real, that as we pray to you, you listen, you move, you move on our behalf, you move for our good. We thank you that you work all things together for good. Lord, you're better than anything that tech could offer us. And we just ask, Lord, would you show us just as we reflect today on, Lord, have we made an idol of this thing? 
Lord, are we being distracted from greater things because we're, we're just kind of like doing busy work on our phones and our devices? Show us, Lord. Are there people that we need to stop following on social media? Are there shows we need to stop watching? Not necessarily because they're bad, but just because we're wasting time. Like, just, Lord, show us. Show us how can we clean up, you know, kind of declutter our technology so we can have more time to hear from you, more time to read your word, more time to read spiritual books, Lord, that will just nurture us, just show us, Lord, what, how can we cut out things in our tech life so that we can grow closer to you. And we ask that as we do this, that we'll bring all of our family members around us to that place as well. And we ask, Lord, for our spouses, for our children, for our sisters and our brothers, our moms and dads, Lord, show us how to not be under the trance of technology, but help us, Lord, to look up to you, look up to the heavens for our answers, look up to the heavens for what you want us to do next. And we thank you, Lord, that you want to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Arlene. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Val.